Our featured BBBgive.org accredited charity seal holders for this episode are First Nations Development Institute, Guide Dog Foundation and America's Bet Dogs, Hearing Health Foundation. To find out more about these and other BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders, go to give.org. You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast, powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor. Today, I wanted to share with you the excerpts of a speech I recently delivered at a conference hosted by the Salvation Army. And in this speech, I talk about many things, but what I want to emphasize today are two segments of that speech that are very related to each other and work together to produce better results for nonprofit organizations, I believe. And you'll hear me talk in this speech about impact and how we should think about it, and also collaboration, which I think is critical to actually achieving the kind of impact that makes us all better together. Now, the excerpts of this speech are directed to both funders and donors, and not just institutional funders, individual funders as well, people who are giving their money to charities who are hoping that those organizations will be set up to do the best possible work to achieve their missions. But it's also directed toward organizations themselves. I want to give organizations some of my insights for what is required to achieve the best results. And clearly, in my view, working to collaborate to achieve innovation, which is necessary for also impact and also being able to define impact in a way that produces the higher level results is very important. Now, I have one favor to ask before we get into the excerpts of this speech, and that is that you subscribe to the show which you can do on all major podcast platforms. Subscriptions are really important because they enable us to continue to bring important information about nonprofits and their leaders who have done amazing work to you to better get to know them and how to achieve impact yourself. So please do subscribe. And if you want to support the podcast, you can go to give.org and make a donation And we will certainly put that to great use. Impact may be one of the most misunderstood words 
in the social sector. Everybody wants to achieve impact. In fact, we make things up to make it sound like we did. <laughs> oh, I went to a dinner last night. I got impact. You know, I walked in a march. Look how much impact we created with that march. I gave a donation. I'm having impact. We know that it helps. It helps us on the path to impact. But the impact that I'm talking about better together goes beyond some of the things that we can actually measure. We focus a lot on the things that we can measure because there's pressure on organizations, even the Salvation Army, to prove that we're accomplishing something. So we focus on things like inputs. How many people did, came to the program? Outputs. How many people finished the program? Outcomes. What happened when they actually completed the program? But to get to impact is perhaps further down the road. We may never even see the impact that we create. Inputs, outputs, and outcomes are just pebbles that we throw in the pond. The impact are the ripples that extend from that pond. We don't even know what happens to a person that we pick up off the streets, bring into our programs, help them get clean, put them to work. We don't know what happens to them later and the families and the communities and even the country from some of these people because of what they are now able to do because we touch them. But we focus on the metrics. It's important to focus on the ripples because it's the ripples that will inform the inputs, the outputs, and the activities that we engage in in the first place. Now, there's another problem with the metrics. I won't say problem, but it's a challenge. Sometimes we set up metrics to satisfy ourselves rather than, rather than focus on the objective. Let me give you an example. And Ken will recall this too. There's another great organization, there are a lot of great organizations, but another great organization is this one called the Marine Toys for Tots. I bet you've heard of it. The Marine Toys for Tots. So the Marine Toys for Tots was celebrating their 75th anniversary. And Yolanda and I were invited to this wonderful event to commemorate that 75th anniversary. And during that event, the Commandant of the Marines and the Secretary of the Navy stand up and they claim that because of the great work we've done over the last 75 years, we're going to increase the number of people we serve by 15%. And I looked over at the, the CEO of the organization, Lieutenant General retired James Laster, and he looked terrified. <laughs> so I go up to Jim after the event and I say, Jim, you all right? 
says, you know, this number they threw out at me is a problem. I said, well, let me ask you a question. What would it take to not only achieve that 15%, but meet the needs of every kid who you believe needs your services? And he said, that would take probably another 15 million kids. And I said, how about if I brought together some charity leaders to have a conversation about what we could do to not only increase by 15%, but reach that 15 million. See, they're thinking about incremental change rather than solving the problem. 15 million kids is possible because there's a Salvation Army. We bring them in. There's a YMCA, bring them in. There's a Kaboom that works with kids, bring them in. There's a Creating Healthier Communities organization, bring them in. And if we bring them all in, you're all working with youth in some way. Tell me we can't reach the 15 million kids that need that help. Tell me that God won't help us all find a way to reach that 15 million kids. So Ken organizes another meeting and we get all of these groups together. And now we're working on a way to reach that 15 million kids. But it wouldn't have happened if we were focused on coming back next year and say, look what we did. We got 15% more than we did last year. We had to focus on the need. We had to put that objective out front and then we could solve the problem. So sometimes these numbers get in the way of what we actually need to do. The second problem with these numbers is that they don't often give us a sense of what the full range of the problem is. And we have to think holistically about meeting the needs of people. Another example is a group called Community Health Charities. Community Health Charities is working to, was working when it was called Community Health Charities, on getting money to organizations that are doing work in the communities to try to improve health. They realized, however, that there's this thing called social determinants of health. And that you really can't address a person's health and longevity by simply getting the medical care. Medical care will give you past a crisis, but you have to look at the collateral issues that people face that restricts them from living healthy lives. And you have to work on that while you're working on some of the things that more classically would have been defined as health. So if you're a social service organization, you have to not only do what you do, but you have to look at the person you're trying to reach holistically if we're going to later on have that ripple expand out and that person live a life of fulfillment and purpose such that they can extend what they're able to do to help others. This, I think, is the, is the opportunity 
that you have as you think about better together, to rethink the metrics and why they're important and what you're doing with them. Okay? So that's the first one. Impact. Think differently about how you achieve impact and how you go about it. Now we get to collaboration. Now, I'm not going to be able to cover all I want to say about collaboration. It's such an important topic. We don't have enough time. But I'm going to leave you with a few points. First, I want to talk about commoditization. If there are many companies that produce the same product, it doesn't matter who you get it from. It's the same product. And what we're seeing is a world in which a company that has the best product in a marketplace has a very short period of time to lead in that market before its product is disrupted by another one. That's because we're in a world of rapid change and innovation. So where do charities, which are also being commoditized, by the way, find money to innovate? And you're not only being commoditized by other charities. It's not simply those 60,000 organizations I'm talking about. It's other things like B corporations. We didn't have that 20 years ago. Everybody know what a B corporation is? It's a company that has a mission of social change. A company. It's not a charity. They're apps that coordinate charitable activity. They're even organizations that aren't companies that are doing social good. I heard this one called the Awesome Foundation. Awesome Foundation isn't a charity. It's a group of college kids that got together and decided that they wanted to fund awesome. <laughs> you could decide what awesome is. I think one example was they were funding something. Somebody said, we could safely set our hair on fire. They said, oh, we want to fund that. Awesome. So Awesome Foundation is spreading all over the world, not a charity. You can look it up. So we're competing with these new conventions that are creating social good. Even new ways of aggregating resources, right, for different things like we see these uh, platforms that are out there, uh, crowdfunding platforms that are gathering money to solve problems, independent of social good organizations. You're competing with that. So what do we do? Well, charities have to find money to innovate. We don't spend time on innovation because we use our entire budget just to make it through the year. And no matter how big an organization you are, you've already filled up all that money with stuff that you're currently doing. Nobody has time to think about the future. But we have to think about the future because the kind of impact we're seeking is long term. It's not simply today. We want to be around and see what the results of those ripples are. So what do we do? Here's how we innovate. We look at our assets and ask ourselves, what are we doing that we could do better? And we ask ourselves, by looking out into the future, what's likely to happen that we don't have a solution for today? And then we begin working with others who have some assets that they could put into play. 
and we create something new together. See, it's hard to collaborate when everyone's locked into what they're doing. If you're feeling good about your programs and services, you're not likely to share that with anybody, although you do. Great. But a lot of organizations won't share anything because they're too concerned about someone else stealing the idea and somebody else not getting, somebody else getting funded rather than them. And so what you have to do is focus on something that's not here yet, that no one has, and build it together. That's the time for collaboration. Build something that doesn't currently exist. Can I give you one great example? And this one really touched my heart. My mother was a battered woman. And so when I heard about this, it really got to me, got me thinking. There was this friend of mine who was on the board of an animal rescue organization called Red Rover. And I asked him what was happening at Red Rover that was interesting. He said, well, we found out through some data that 60% of battered women fail to leave their batterer because they're worried about a pet at home. Can you imagine that? 60% of women surveyed said they would not leave their batterer because they had a pet at home that they were concerned about. So he says, we at Red Rover, we immediately go to some battered women's shelters and we say, guess what? If you come across any women like that, we'll take the pets. So now these women can go and get help and not worry about the pets. What a great collaboration, right? I mean, it's expanding the market of both organizations, right? So the battered women's shelter can take in more women and the animal shelter has more animals to take care of and maybe get adopted. I began to ask myself, how many possible collaborations like that exist? But what we do is we wait for these kinds of things to become serendipitous. Oh, we just happen to be talking to somebody like I was talking to Ken and, and Jim Blaster about what could happen if we work together. We don't build these into our plans. We don't plan for this. And what I'm saying to you is that better together must mean that you build collaboration into what you do. You have to look for it actively. You have to reach out to other organizations and see what's going on in the social landscape and find solutions, potentially, to problems that do not currently exist and some that do exist that you haven't found a new market for. This is how charities innovate, or at least it's a way. Now, if you have billions and billions of dollars that you can just set up an innovation fund for, wonderful. Do it. But the world is coming at us so fast. Things are changing so quickly. The problems that we are facing were problems that we never would have anticipated. We have to find ways to stay ahead of that. And to do it, we have to be able to find ways to innovate. And I think collaboration is a great way for most charities to do it. So as you can see, there is a 
clear relationship between impact and collaboration. And it's important that we define impact in a way that actually produces the long-term and maybe not so measurable results, but important results nonetheless. And that kind of impact that gets our activities focused in the right way. Thank you for listening to the show. And we'll see you back here next week for another edition of the Heart of Giving podcast. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.